partners have such a huge opportunity to work with us on these industry clouds, high value solutions, whether it's you know ISVs building IP or, or services partners doing integration and implementation. So our partner ecosystem is just a key component of our ability to be successful in this space. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering, where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. Industry clouds. What are they and how is one of the tech giants differentiated in the market to support business processes and partner solutions across the vertical industries it serves. For this episode of Ultimate Guide to Partnering, I invited Toby Bowers, Microsoft's GM for business applications, go-to-market, and partner strategy to help partners better understand Microsoft's approach and why partners have a huge opportunity to participate and drive the growth by using these platforms to differentiate at scale. In this episode, Toby and I discuss the broad mission of his organization, clarify some of the ambiguity regarding the role of partners in Microsoft's industry cloud strategy, and how partners can best engage to grow their businesses. I love my discussion with this engaging and partner-centric leader, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed getting to know Toby Bowers. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that PartnerTap has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I've been friends with the founders of PartnerTap for many years, and PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping, letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. I'm so excited to have them on board. Be on the lookout for events, content, and more. Toby, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Vince. Thanks so much for having me. I am excited to have you finally as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. We've had your leader, Alyssa Taylor, on this podcast. And I'm excited to have you share with our listeners the exciting work of your organization around business applications. Such an important topic. Well, thank you, Vince. Thank you for having me. And, and by the way, Happy New Year to you. I've been very much looking forward to our, our, our chat today. I, I do enjoy listening to your podcast. You've had some great guests, and yes, including my boss, Alyssa Taylor, but Rodney Clark, Dr. Mike Gervais, always interesting discussions. So I've been looking forward to joining you today. Well, thank you so much. I'm so privileged to have so many amazing guests come to this podcast. I'm very excited to have you today because this topic is one that's near and dear to so many partners' hearts. The world of business applications, Microsoft has invested heavily in this space. And your organization and mission to transform business applications and industry is such an important focus. But for our listeners who may not know you or understand your role and mission, I was hoping you could share a little bit about you with them today. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So as you said, business applications and industry is such a critical focus area and investment for the company, not only because of the opportunity that exists in that particular solution, but really how it pulls through the broader Microsoft cloud value proposition, Vince. So I joined this team about four years ago, and I lead a team in our industry apps and data marketing group which is led by Alyssa Taylor, who we were just talking about. And specifically, my team is responsible for our go-to-market strategy for the business applications portfolio, which is both our Dynamics 365 products as well as our Power Platform products, and more recently, our growing industry cloud portfolio. When I say go-to-market, what I specifically mean is uh, we're responsible for enabling our sales teams, our marketing teams, our customer success teams all around the world to really successfully serve our clients across all segments and industries. So that's job number one for us. We're also responsible for our partner strategy across the portfolio with partners of all shapes and sizes and and business models. So ISVs, IP builders, services partners, large and small, resellers, et cetera. And then lastly, we're responsible for building end user communities and ecosystems around the product portfolio as it grows. And so it's been an exciting part of the business to work on. As far as you you mentioned our mission, Vince, hopefully most of your listeners are, are familiar with Microsoft. Maybe even some know our mission to empower every person, every organization on the planet to achieve more. But I'll share just a little bit about my journey at the company. I've been here a long time, frankly, a very long time, Vince, more than 20 years, in fact. Wow. I know our paths crossed at one point, but I joke, I grew up at this company. It was my first real job out of college. You know, I'm one of those loyal guys where as long as I feel challenged and supported, I'll stick around as long as I feel I can make a contribution and, and really leave a legacy in the business. So I'm, you know, one of the few still around who have worked under all three of our CEOs, and we've only had three in the company's history. But, you know, I remember my very first year, I was in an inside sales rep, and I was working out of Sydney, Australia. And I traveled to San Francisco for one of our internal sales rallies, which I'm, I'm sure you remember. Yes. And, you know, I remember Bill Gates emerging from under the stage with dry ice and laser beams <laughs> shooting out from behind him. And I was like, where the heck am I? But to be honest, I was hooked. And it was so exciting. And I, I haven't looked back since. And since then, our focus has really evolved from that original put a PC on every desk to really helping people and, and organizations achieve more. And it's been a really fun journey for me. Such a fun journey. And as you know, we've had Dr. Michael Gervais here. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And yeah, you know, the contrast between the generations of CEOs, right? And I got to spend a lot of time in the bomber days and then in the early Satya days. That shift and that big, bold mission, just so important for every organization, every individual to achieve the greatest results. Just such a... Totally. Totally. So what a great story. I'm, and we're going to dig into your history a little bit more here, but I want to spend a little time. We talked about your role and the go-to-market strategy. And specifically, I want to peel back. I want to talk about business applications and that go-to-market. There's such a large portfolio of partners, so many loyal partners I get to work with across all the work that I do. And one of the things that that strikes me here is it's a large organization of partners. So that's a pretty big role. Tell me a little bit more, peel back with me a little bit more on what that looks like. How do you land that into the field organization with the partners? Yeah, it's been a really unique business to work on. I can share more, but I worked on the early Office 365 days and the early Azure days. And so those were fun sort of cloud transformation projects to work on at Microsoft. And 
partnering was always a common thread in those those areas. And so I was excited to join the Dynamics team when as little as four or five years ago, Dynamics 365 was really just landing and the, the cloud business was growing. And we were working with our partners to really transform our legacy Dynamics business, which you may know was a lot of acquisitions. We had old on-prem products like CRM and AX and NAV and GP. And our partners were fantastic assets for the company and driving that business, but they all needed to transform their own business models into, into more of a cloud model. And we really broke all of that down and architected new line of business applications, purpose-built in Dynamics 365 across all these different lines of business. So, so a lot to do and, and transform. And, and frankly, that's been the, the past few years. We've just been investing in helping our partners do just that as this business grows and accelerates. But to be honest, Vince, one of the things I mentioned up front that we're pretty excited about in addition to the growing Dynamics and Power Platform portfolio is what we're doing with our industry clouds. And such a huge, important approach here with our partners, especially. And so recently I've taken responsibility for our industry cloud go-to-market strategy, both from a, a field you know, sales perspective as well as partner perspective. And really over the last year, we've, we've announced and begun to roll out several industry clouds. We have industry cloud for healthcare, financial services, retail, manufacturing, not-for-profit, even, even sustainability. And you know, the reason we decided to create these industry clouds was really based on our customer feedback. Customers were looking for more skin in the game from Microsoft to bring more relevant solutions to their business. So by bringing together common data models by industry, connectors, industry-specific workflows, APIs, even industry-specific components and, and standards, you put all that together with the underlying Microsoft Cloud services, Microsoft 365, Teams, Azure, Power Platform, Dynamics, et cetera, we're really trying to give customers what they're asking for, which is more tailored solution to meet their unique industry needs. We really think that there's three things that allow us to deliver on our industry vision like no other company out there. The first is back to that mission, empowering people to achieve more. Every industry relies on individuals to achieve its goals. And if, with this industry-first approach, we're just putting more relevant solutions in the hands of people closest to the problem, which varies greatly across those industries that I mentioned. So that just helps organizations be better. The second thing is back to our partnering discussion. It's just our, part, our global partner ecosystem really unmatched with Microsoft's history and partnering. And the key point I want to make here is that partners have such a huge opportunity to, to work with us on these industry clouds, high value solutions, whether it's ISVs building IP or, or services partners doing integration and implementation. So our partner ecosystem is just a key component of our ability to be successful in this space. I see this as such a great opportunity for partners. Of course, Microsoft, and I'm a little bit biased, but I believe Microsoft is the most partner-centric organization. And partners want to align, and Microsoft's done a great job in terms of verticalizing the business over the last few years, to your point, you know, in terms of taking the field organization and verticalizing it. So peel back a little bit on the industry clouds. I know because I've sat on inside in the public sector space, there was some uniqueness to government, to healthcare, to fintech and other vertical markets. What have you done with taking the clouds and bringing them together around maybe some compliance areas and other specific use case examples? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question, Vince. And I know you got some great experience in the public sector side, and it's very similar. We One of the other, we like to think unique aspects to Microsoft is our really deep commitment to security and, and compliance and trust. 
and our industry cloud offerings are you know industry recognized standards from edge to cloud we have more than 90 certifications 35 i think industry specific compliance offerings so what that means for partners is that they don't have to worry about that you know as we continue to invest in those certifications partners can rely on Microsoft to do that and build their services or IP around that, really betting on the Microsoft Cloud Platform, but taking advantage of this specific opportunity that we have with the, the industry cloud. And customer data, we, we talk a lot about data events. It really underscores that commitment to trust. You know, We have a very strong perspective that customer data belongs to our customers, not to us. And and that data strategy is really core, not only to our industry cloud approach, but also our broader business applications approach to the market. And, you know, data is the keys to the kingdom, right? I and mean, to inform, to deliver, to transform. And I know from the work that I've done, both sitting on both sides of the table, both at Microsoft and as a channel chief, that this path toward common data model, the initiative goes back a few years, right, in terms of the strategy. Can you spend a little bit more time here on what a common data model is for those who don't understand it and how it fits into the industry cloud point of view? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, the common data model really just in a nutshell helps us speak a common language for a particular industry. And the example I always use is if you have a typical CRM system, you talk about a customer in the healthcare systems, you may talk about that as a patient, right? Same type of record, but just with unique, a unique data model to support that healthcare space. And then we went and, and announced uh, Dataverse as our, as our offering in this space. And we're uniquely positioned. It's not only about the data model to support business applications, finished business applications, but even this low-code, no-code space with Power Apps, it just, it just really unlocks this broader opportunity for partners and for our customers. The point I want to make around data and being the critical factor when it comes to our strategy here, if you've ever heard our engineering leader, James Phillips, talk at, at one of our events, he's a, a fascinating guy, but you'll understand exactly what I mean here. He, he's got sort of this really interesting perspective on data. And he, he kind of goes back, he goes back to the 50s and he's like, hey, I would argue that business applications really haven't changed fundamentally in, in, in decades. Even back in the paper days, we had cabinets full of paper and people would take notes and they'd file it. And he kind of argues that all we did was computerize that, right? And we were storing the files and notes in computers instead of in filing cabinets. But the point is, it was all very reactive. We, we would wait for the phone to ring we'd take notes in a CRM system and we'd store it. And it was just sort of forms over data. And that's the way it was for a long time. But um, what we're focused on is now this kind of a real shift is occurring where, you know, there's a very different way of engaging customers, operating businesses, engaging with other workers at your organization. And the reason for that is, is data, because data, as you know, <laughs> it's literally coming out of everything. Like, every product we use, social media, people, all the services. And so if we can flip that and turn it around and we can gather that data and sort of reason over that data, you can predict instead of respond. And that's really what, whether it's CRM systems or ERP systems, supply chain or industry solutions is all about these days. Because if you can predict, you know, an example, I take a new job somewhere and you were my sales rep somewhere, Vince, you should get a text message letting you know that I've changed jobs, what I'm up to, you know, that proactive approach is turning things upside down, not only from a sales perspective, but asset management, supply chain, as I mentioned, customer engagement, even operating facilities. If a system can tell you that a air conditioning unit's about to break versus after it breaks, you can just be so much more efficient as an organization. And 
it's all about data and and getting more proactive. So so really interesting, you know, concepts, but really core to our strategy in this space. So what are the actual components of an industry cloud? I think there's a little bit of ambiguity and I want to peel back on the partnering aspect, but I think maybe for our listeners that don't understand, like when Microsoft says we have a healthcare industry cloud, what does that exist? What does that comprise of? Yeah. It's a great question, and, and, it, and it varies, frankly, a little bit by industry cloud. They're all a little bit unique in their own way. But there are industry-specific components, industry-specific IP that we're building. It's also the common data model that's unique to that uh, industry, Vince, like we talked about. A lot of workflows and APIs. But the key thing I'd say is it's the industry cloud skew. It's kind of like an add-on to the the underlying breadth of the full Microsoft cloud. So underneath, you've got various services from Teams, from Azure, a lot of Dynamics 365 in there. So it's both the the industry cloud add-on as well as all the underlying Microsoft cloud pieces that make up the full solution. And so then, of course, on top of all that, there's still room, plenty of opportunity for partners to take it one step further, even from a more specific industry IP perspective or the services that we can build around those clouds. So if I'm a partner... And I still feel like there's a little bit of ambiguity, like where do I play here, right? There's a first party component. Where's my third party component fit in? What is my role? And maybe you could explain that a little bit more for our listeners. Yeah, it's it is something that and by the way, you know, this is all new and we're rolling these out and you know, learning a lot as we go. But you know, I've been really pleasantly surprised, frankly, with the positive reception that I've I've heard in talking to partners about the industry clouds. You know, I think they know that this is where the industry in general is going. And especially Microsoft partners are excited to to work with us around these new offerings. And I think you said it, Vince, but you know, I've been around this company a long time. As I said, a lot has changed. One thing that hasn't changed is that we always have been and will always be a partner-centric company. So partners are always core to our strategy. The thing I try to do is ground on the opportunity with if we just take the biz apps market, it's 170 billion dollar total addressable market, I think, Vince. And obviously we're scratching the surface on that, both, you know, as Microsoft and with our partners. And that TAM, as we call our total addressable market, is growing. We're moving away from traditional categories like CRM or ERP and into these new worlds of customer data platform, low code, no code, RPA, and then these industry solutions as well. So to your question, it kind of depends on the partner's business model, but first of all, just from an integration to implementation perspective with services partners. I mean, there's still such a huge amount of customization that can be done, especially for large uh, industry clients. And we have a lot of partners sort of signing up for and excited about that that services opportunity that we have around the new offerings. But then secondly, IP and, you know, extending IP for interoperability with the clouds, building on top of that Microsoft's common data model. I mean, we have so many great big ISV partners that are working with us on the industry clouds. You know, I think about Mazik, for example, with the healthcare cloud, great partner with us in the healthcare space in general through the pandemic, but now a huge opportunity to continue to partner and, and do even more around the cloud for healthcare. And then the last piece is, Vince, you mentioned it, but we, a couple of years ago, we aligned all of our sales teams around the world by industry. So all of our account team units are industry pure and they're getting more and more focused on industry you know, relevance. And so for our partners to connect around the world from a go-to-market, a co-marketing perspective, a co-selling perspective with our Microsoft field sales teams who are industry aligned, it just gives them an additional opportunity to unlock some new clients. So a lot of interest and excitement there as well. 
So do you suggest for our listeners who might be partners looking to engage here, maybe in healthcare, fintech, name it, nonprofit. So the best way for them to optimize for success working with your organization, is that through the field organizations? Yeah, it really is. We work on a, a fiscal year, July to June, Vance, and we're, believe it or not, here in January, we're already getting ready for the, the year ahead. And you know, our industry go-to-market will be a much bigger piece of our approach going forward. And depending on where our partners are, absolutely, I'd say engage with the field organization. But um, you know, personally, I'd love to hear from them as well, Vince. I, I always try to put you know my name out there. Partners can reach out on LinkedIn or toby.bowers at microsoft.com. You know, I'm so interested in learning more about where partners opportunity you know, where they see the opportunity around the industry clouds. And so whether it's my team here at, at corporate, the teams in the field, definitely, I would say now's the time to engage on, on these industry clouds. So I'm going to go out on a limb here a little bit in terms of, you know, we talk about like the delivery partners. I get it. Like, okay, I have more offerings. I can bring more to my clients. Uh, we have Jay McBain come on the podcast often and he talks about the, and I know you're from upstate New York. He talks about the midsize clinic in upstate New York and having a specific solution for that customer base, right? Yeah. But say for instance, you know what, a couple of things I'm seeing there as well is like, these are your delivery partners. They can go deliver the Microsoft solution set. But now I'm an ISV and we're seeing so many new SaaS solutions, right? Hundreds, of, we're in the hundreds of thousands now. We're going to see, I'm hearing predictions of up to a million different SaaS solutions by the end of the decade. Crazy time, right? In terms of transformation. How do these SaaS solutions fit into the, to the offerings? Gosh, well, they, as I mentioned, Vince, it's, it's all industry specific solutions built on underlying SaaS solutions, whether it's, you know, Teams or, or Dynamics 365. But you also have this great low code, no code opportunity and the ability to create that specific solution. I'll, I'll use the same analogy of like a dental clinic in upstate New York, you know, creating solutions just using Power Apps and, and Power Automate. It still sits on that same data substrate, that common data model. And, and so whether it's a full-blown SaaS app like Dynamics 365 for sales or supply chain or, or teams or something that's more bespoke and created for a specific customer need, we've got the same tools available with the same underlying data strategy and the same security and compliance strategy. So I think that's why partners are really excited about it, events. They see the breadth of the, the portfolio, the breadth of the offerings, and they know that they can take advantage of it in different ways. But the last thing I'll say is we say, oh, we're getting into industry relevance as Microsoft and we're aligning our teams and building products. Nobody knows industry better than our partners. <laughs> and, you know, they've been doing this for years. And so it's a good thing. If we take one step forward, they'll take two and they'll continue to innovate and just get more and more specificity for the, the industries that they serve. I love what you have to say here. What have you seen from some of the best partners that you've been working with in this industry cloud strategy? Gosh, I guess I'll just say from a, a partner perspective, all up vents, not even related to the industry clouds. But again, my I've sort of had partnering as a common thread throughout my my career here at Microsoft. And I like to talk a lot about IQ and EQ in the tech industry. Some, sometimes I think the former can be more respected around this place being IQ, but I'm pretty sure my EQ is, is higher than my IQ. And the fact is we're all, you know, we're all human beings and, and humans like to have relationships and that's what partnering is all about. And so when I start in a new role, like when I moved into this dynamics role or when I, when Azure was kind of blowing up or you start to build a new business, I always try to start at the top. You know, I figure out who the most strategic partners are. And I try to build relationships with those most influential partners that I can get a hold of that'll pick up the phone. And from there, 
I really, really work hard to enable outcomes for those partners, results for those strategic partners. And then if you promote that to the market, then you can start to build and fortify a broader ecosystem around the business because a lot of those either smaller organizations or the breadth of of partners out there are going to be attracted to those lighthouse examples if you can be successful. But it's really, it all starts with relationships and it's and it's got to be a two-way street and a symbiotic relationship. And I think that applies to industry clouds or, or, or any business. I just think there's a real strong human element to it. So important. So important. Getting that, and we'll talk more about like philosophy and trust is always the underpinning of all these relationships, right? Yeah, totally. So I know I asked you this before. I'm going to ask it again in a different way, but you mentioned aligning with the field organization. What if our partners just want to learn more about the work in your organization and industry clouds and just the strategy all up for the Dynamics 365 business and Power Apps? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, we do so much with our, our it's called a global partner solutions team. So led by, by Nick Parker around our, what we call our solution areas at Microsoft for partners who want to build a practice around business applications, for example, or our modern work solutions with Teams or our Azure solution areas. And so what are the things that we're doing with Nick and his team to complement that focus on horizontal solution areas is build much more of a industry approach to helping partners build practices. And I know Nick and Rodney and, and Julie Sanford, who, who just joined Nick's team, are, are very, very focused on doing this in the year ahead. And so you'll see us put additional programs and content and resources out there to help partners identify opportunity and build practices around the industry clouds, just like we will with our horizontal solution area. If you ever hear Judson Altuff talk, who runs you know our whole sales organization, as well as our, our partner organization, he's got one slide and it's the Microsoft Cloud slide, and it's got all the elements of the Microsoft Cloud, and then it's got the industry clouds, you know, just above it. And so we just want to take a page out of what we've done historically and really help our partners build practices again, depending on their business model around these industry clouds in the year ahead. So, bunch of short answer, bunch of programs from from our partner team will come out. My team will work very closely on this, and our field organization as well. We'll get more and more educated to support our partners. Such exciting times. I'm looking forward to the year ahead. It sounds like it's going to be a great year for Microsoft and for industry clouds. Great. Yep, me too. So we continue to live through this time. Like you and I were just talking about, I mean, you know, Omicron and everybody's been exposed now and we've been, it's almost two years since the lockdown. So our world is, it's different than it was two years ago. The world is rapidly transforming too, in many positive ways as well. What's been your biggest surprise or aha moment since this all started? Oh, man. Well, I know we're chatting about this. I know we even had to reschedule this call a couple of times with all the, the craziness. So appreciate the flexibility. But yeah, it's, I mean, I'll give you my personal perspective, talk a little bit about how we think about it at Microsoft. But it's, man, it's been a tough couple of years. That said, Vince, I do feel so lucky to work in the industry. We do. You know, I think it's been so much tougher on on others. But personally, I'm such a creature habit. I, I even loved my daily commute into the office every day. I'm one of those guys. I'd listen to podcasts like yours on the way in. I love spending time with my team. You know, we do a, a bunch of stuff together, getting to know them better, both personally and, and professionally. I loved traveling all around the world in this global role that I have, just getting a chance to visit countries that I never would have had to normally. And so I miss all that. But on the flip side, 
I mentioned I have three boys. I, I love spending the extra time at home with my wife and my three boys. You know, my oldest finished up high school, got accepted into his top college choice, all a hundred percent remote, which was yeah. so tough on him as well. But it's a, you know, it's a life lesson. It's a good learning. And so we always look for the the silver linings, <laughs> but we've all adapted, you know, to this new normal. I frankly, I do hope this year ahead brings a little bit of that old normal back, <laughs> but I think we'll have the best of both worlds. And that's really what we're focused on at Microsoft is flexibility. You know, we've been able to attract talent all around the country now, depending on where you want to work, the scale and and the pace that you can enable by working remotely. But you bring that human element back that I talked about and you complemented it a bit more there. And I, I think we're in a really good space going forward. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I think we're going to be in this hybrid world for a while. I mean, I, I got a little taste of being out in public and speaking at events. And then, of course, Omicron came and a lot of events were canceled and or participation in conferences was canceled or moved out. And so I am looking forward to making that trip to Redmond one of these days soon and, and seeing you and some of my other friends there. I'd love to meet you in person someday, Vince. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you might know from listening to previous episodes, I'm passionate about helping others learn from amazing guests like you and peeling back on that personal and professional journey for our listeners. Like how did you get to this spot in your career? Was there a best piece of advice? Was there a spark or a pivot that got you to this point? Gosh, it's such a great question. And it's something I think a lot about when I'm coaching or, or mentoring others. You know, what, What's your why? What's your purpose? It's funny, Vince. I, I started in sales. I think a lot of people do as they're early in career. I moved into to field marketing roles, crossed a bunch of different disciplines like product marketing or you know retail, SMB marketing, et cetera. And what I learned was <laughs> I was a good salesperson. I was not a great salesperson. You know, I wasn't technical at all. In fact, I'm still not technical, you know, working for a, for a technology company. But I moved all around the world with Microsoft. We, we lived in, I counted it, six different cities, two countries. I got the chance to travel to almost every continent. And through all that, I was exposed to a bunch of different cultures and, and sides of the business and, and frankly, just a ton of, of teams of, of people. And about halfway through my career, I got the chance to move into a leadership position. And I was, you know, bit by that leadership bug. And I, I moved into management roles and I took on bigger teams and and more resources and I just absolutely loved it. I was a it's kind of funny I was a psychology major in college Vince, believe it or not and so the yeah the the I quickly learned I didn't want to be a psychologist but the the human element of work was fascinating to me whether it's hiring coaching developing people organizational design but culture especially and that's just what I figured out quickly that I loved. It's funny. I was, I remember early in my career, I was awarded like the manager of the year award. And it was just, it was still one of my favorite, favorite accomplishments. And Microsoft's such a great company. The amount of leadership development investments they make in people who are willing to invest in, in the company. And so I've had a lot of access to that. And I've just, I've enjoyed every minute. What specifically about that? Like, if you peel back on being a leader or manager, people manager, like, was there any, is there something specific that gives you energy from that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually a parallel to my kind of my personal life. You know, I mentioned I have three boys, and one of my goals in life is to make those three boys a better man than I am. And it's not that I'm a bad guy. I just, I see success by paying it forward and teaching them everything I've learned. And, and making them successful people. And I get the most satisfaction out of seeing my leadership team or individuals on my team be successful. And just that kind of spark, as you said, that's generated in them. 
and that's, we all love growth and revenue and all that good stuff, but kind of seeing that um, satisfaction and accomplishment at people is something that I really enjoy at work. And so I try to, I try to do that, but that's really kind of at my core, both from a personal and a professional perspective, I'd say. Was there one best piece of advice along this journey? Gosh, well, talking about the personal side, yes, there's a lot to choose from. But one, I remember I was in some event where it was a group and we were in front of one of the senior leadership team members at Microsoft. And and it was just when my career was starting to accelerate and I was put into some development programs and it, and it really struck me and has, has stuck with me. And you'll know this, I mean, Microsoft and the tech industry in general, is just so fast paced, so busy, so stressful, so challenging. And, you know, that's why we love it. But this person said, Microsoft won't love you when you're old meaning once you've left and you're you know retired or, or late in your life. And I, it was just a constant reminder for me to make sure that I maintain that balance, family, friends, health, even because in the end, <laughs> Microsoft's not going to be there, but those people and those friends and, and your health will be. And so that's really what's what's most important. That's real super, super important and staying young and healthy. Uh, yeah. So as you know, you mentioned Dr. Michael Gervais. What a great guest uh, amongst all the others. But we've had him back on the podcast just recently. We talk about personal philosophy. He's got such a great set of core tenets around mindfulness and well-being and then performance. But I know that you went through the, you were one of the 50,000. And we were both fortunate enough to go through and spend time with Michael. As you've continued to shape your journey, is, do you have a personal philosophy, first off? I'm assuming you do. And what role has that personal philosophy, what is it, by the way, and what role has it played in helping you keep focused? Yeah. First of all, I love Dr. Mike revisited his high performance development techniques when the pandemic first started to hit because we were getting really worried just about people's stamina and, and burnout. Again, you can just click from meeting to meeting and not you don't have any buffer in between and people were learning how to do this. And so we went back and, and reinvested in, in recovery and, and some of his, his principles because it's just so easy to get stressed out. And so I, we believe, and I believe mindset, confidence, just keep moving forward. Nine times out of 10, everything will work out just fine. I think my personal philosophy, I've tried to be consistent here because it's what I try to help others with and share as an example. But I mentioned it before. I mean, I had a, I was really lucky, Vince. I had an amazing childhood. I feel lucky to grow up where I did. And we talked about upstate New York. My dad was the CEO of a bank and my mom was an art teacher. And I jokingly called them my my head and my heart. Yeah. Wow. What a contrast. <laughs> I know. I died. I remember I said that at one of their, their anniversaries. I gave them a little speech. But I, I, even at work, I think that combination gave me a unique mix of hardcore responsibility, accountability, mixed with a sense, a real sense of compassion and, you know, creativity and, and relationships, frankly. And that informs my philosophy today in how I lead my team, the way we try to help internal stakeholders, our partners be successful. Because I think when you have both the head and the heart in business, we are all more successful. And so that's, that's been my philosophy and it's hopefully it's served me well and it'll continue to do so. The heart and the head. I love that. I love that. That's fantastic. So we're going to have a little fun, Toby. I, you've been such a great guest and uh, I thought we would have a little fun here. So you're having a dinner party and this is hopefully at a point where we don't have to worry about Omicron and being masked. And I know we've been vaccinated. Many of us have been vaccinated. And you can invite any three guests at this dinner party from the present or the past. One person actually chose the future. Who would you invite to this amazing dinner party and why? 
Man, Vince, I have to be honest. I appreciate you giving me a quick heads up on this particular question because I uh, it was it was very kind of you because I would have been I would have been totally stumped because it's such a great question. So I I did think about it last night. So here's what I would do. I, and I talked about this. So I mentioned loving travel. I love great food and and cooking. I'm a total car nut. We didn't talk about that. I love movies, <laughs> especially science fiction movies. So. Here's what I would do. If I could get Anthony Bourdain back uh, to cook for us, so he doesn't count as a as a guest, right? He's just he's just cooking the dinner. Okay. Well, I'll count that. <laughs> yeah, I'm allowed that. We uh yeah, it's funny. We lived in New York in the early two thousands and his, his brasserie Leal was one of our favorite late night favorites right when his book came out and it was popular. So anyway, so he'd be cooking, but then I, I mentioned I love movies and my favorite director is is Christopher Nolan. He's got a bunch of great movies, but Two of my favorites are, are Interstellar and Inception. And so I'd have to flip a coin between either Matthew McConaughey or Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, maybe we could have them both. We may be making, we, we made an exception for Anthony Bourdain. Maybe we could make. <laughs> now this is a big dinner party because then, of course, I'd have to have Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear to, to talk about cars. Nice, nice. And then lastly, Vince, I'd invite my mom because nobody can work a dinner party like her. And I know she'd enjoy meeting all those guys. <laughs> Sounds like a fabulous night. McConaughey and DiCaprio is going to be a very interesting conversation for me. It had, I know. I know. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. I'm going to have to stop by at least for a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pour you a drink, Vince. That's for sure. And I'm a huge Anthony Bourdain fan. What a, what a shame to lose such a great talent. Just loved his show. And um, yeah. So Toby, you have been an amazing guest. I'm so delighted to have gotten to spend some time with you today on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Do you have any suggestions or advice for our listeners in helping them to achieve their greatest results now that we're in 2022? Well, first of all, Vince, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm honored to get the chance to, to talk to you. It's great to meet you, and I look forward to uh, continuing to get to know you. It was really fun. I appreciate the invitation here today. As, as far as advice for listeners, gosh, there's so many unknowns right now, and I'll, I'll keep it simple. I'd say right now, look after your people. I think you know, we talked about events, but times are tough. And whether they say it or not, you know, your teams probably need a little bit of extra help right now. And I think to be conscious of that is just super important and probably going to be really critical to business success as well. So I'd say it's all about your people. But um, selfishly, if you haven't already, time to build a Microsoft practice, trying to build a practice around business applications and our industry clouds. And again, I would love to know how my team and I can help. Would love to hear from partners either on LinkedIn or, or otherwise and appreciate the time with you today, Vince. It's been such a pleasure and an honor. Such a great pleasure to be with you, Toby. And we are going to provide links for in our show notes for our listeners. So we'll provide a link to you on LinkedIn. And then if there's any other uh, links that you'd like me to provide to the listeners on how to engage with your organization or better understand industry clouds and some of the other capabilities and engage with the team. Happy to do that as well. Awesome. I'll definitely take you up on that, Vince. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Toby. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page, or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by PartnerTap, the partner ecosystem platform most trusted by enterprise. 
Drive more revenue with your partners and learn more at partnertap.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.